What is up, everyone? And welcome back to the show about sports. I'm your host, Griffin Proc. Glad to be back. I think this is episode six or seven here. Thank you for all the support so far. It's been awesome so far. I think we're almost 300 downloads on the podcast total throughout all the episodes. So shout out all you guys for enjoying it, letting me know, following me, etc. It's It's been fun so far. And we're just going to keep the good times going here. I mean, we have so much to talk about. I woke up, you know, this week, it's a Wednesday night. And each week I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, back on the grind with work. And I can't even believe that football is back on tomorrow. You know what I mean? These guys are literally getting run over by dump trucks every single weekend and then they're like all right game starting tomorrow through the weekend it's impressive to say the least and you clicked on this episode to kind of get a little breakdown you know we've got some tape we've got some teams that are 0-2 we've got some teams that are 1-1 and we've got some teams that are 2-0 so we kind of have to describe what's going on how the narratives continue to evolve which teams should be worried which teams are contenders pretenders etc you know so so much to get into for week two but before we get started this episode is sponsored you heard that right it's sponsored by me i know you thought there was going to be an ad read right there but that's what i do i don't provide ad reads first of all because no one's reaching out trying to put me give me an ad read but it's sponsored by me because hey keep following me on threads i really appreciate it it's been fun to communicate with all you guys over threads griffin underscore proc that's me on threads i know instagram twitter beef I'm using threads for sports. So if you want to follow, follow along, debate, share your opinions, etc., I'd really appreciate it. So just follow along. Without further ado, though, let's jump into some of the things here as you clicked on the episode not to hear me rant about what we're going to talk about, but actually go into that. And sorry about my voice, you know, getting over a little bit of an illness last week. So if I cough, please just uh, turn down your microphone for a second. But I don't even know why I said microphone. I'm the one holding the mic. Turn down the volume on your car or your sh- or your phone. But without further ado, let's jump into it. Okay, let's kick this thing off with some good news. All the good teams right now. And we say good teams because the record tells us everything we need to know. 2-0 teams. Obviously, when I was writing my threads, I broke down kind of my power rankings on how I see the 2-0 teams after watching all the all the games this past weekend. So now I'm going to break that down here for all the listeners uh, on this and I'm going to kind of going to kind of give my reasonings as to why I put teams where they are based on their matchups not only last week but the week before. So, let's jump into it. 2 and 0 teams, there are 9 2 and 0 teams out of the 32 teams in the NFL. Currently, this is how I rank those teams. First, I got the Cowboys, second I got the Dolphins, third I got the 49ers, fourth I got the Eagles, fifth are the Ravens, sixth are the Falcons. Seventh are the Buccaneers, eighth are the Commanders, and ninth are the Saints. Now, that's my ranking for all of them. You might have heard some surprises. You might have heard some I don't agrees with, etc. That's the whole point of sports. They're fun. It's entertainment. We're supposed to talk about these things. So why I put it this way, it's kind of it's kind of tiered out. So in the first tier, we got the Cowboys, Dolphins, and 49ers. That would be my tier one. I mean defense wins championships for two of those teams the Dol- the cowboys and the 49ers defense is immaculate all they're doing is destroying teams and yes they haven't played a ton of good teams yet so we don't really know what they are a lot of people were like the steelers are really good but are we still thinking that i don't know i'm not sure so that 49ers first win and then beating the rams next week not too crazy wins but solid wins and then the cowboys the same story i mean you dismantled two teams in a row with your defense and the giants are looking awful so that's not really feeling like a powerhouse win then we look at the dolphins and we just shout out Tua again because we're just glad that he's healthy he's playing well mike mcdaniel's scheming perfectly the perfect scheme for Tua is to get the ball out of his hands fast and early we just there can be no hands on Tua if that happens that's when they're going to get in trouble and what they did was the exact right game plan and get the ball out then we kind of got the second tier team we got the Eagles Ravens and Falcons in that order and what I put these teams at is they've got some things working but they definitely have some things to work out you know they're not perfect and no team is it's 2-0 we haven't really seen enough yet but you know we got we're here to make sweeping decisions now every single week that's how it works (laughs) so Eagles looking good. Offense is fl- fluttering a little bit. Their defense is looking solid, but Jalen Hurts is still trying to get back into his MVP form that he was last year. And, you know, the classic wide receivers upset. Like, 
AJ Brown, what you upset for, man? You're 2-0. You just had a great season last year. You have so many weapons. He's got to pass it to everyone. And the Eagles reminded us that a balanced play style is important. Everyone's like, running backs don't matter. Nah, they don't matter in terms of, and that's such a strong word in the first place. They do matter, but there's so many out there. So that's why the market is not paying them the way they are. But it's still important to have running, running backs. And Swift put on a show. And Hertz put on a show running. That's how... You should win games because that's the easiest. That's the least probability for error. That's the most effective way to push your way down the field and wear out the defense. So I don't understand why receivers and their dilemma with needing the ball every play. Like that's just that's just not how it works. But who knows what they were actually talking about. They could have been talking about what show they were going to watch on the plane ride home. I don't know. But then the Ravens and the Falcons, same stories. I mean, they're 2-0 and they have great offenses and their defenses are Ravens specifically banged up. But the Falcons are looking fun. I mean, I picked them to win that division and they're showing me that that was a great bet. And so I'm, I'm feeling really good about Bijan. Kyle Pitts is still irrelevant. Told you not to draft him in the first place. Sorry, that's Arthur Smith. He's just not game planning around people. He's going to put the ball where it needs to be to win the game at hand. And that's in Bijan's hand, as we all kind of assumed. And so that top 10 pick is looking pretty good for the Falcons right now in such a weak division. And then we got the bottom tier of the two and O's. We got the Buccaneers, the Commanders, and the Saints. Now, a lot of people were like, Saints going to the NFC Championship. They have a clear path. Derek Carr is going to resurgence. You know, they got Alvin Kamara's coming back. I just don't see it yet. They've been in such sloppy games to start. So that's why they're my worst rated 2-0 team. I'm just not, I'm just not happy about them. I'm ready to get my opinion changed because I do have Jamal Williams on my team, fantasy football-wise, but he did just get hurt, So and hamstrings linger. So I'm worried about that. So let me know who I should pick up in lieu of that injury. But what I am really excited about is everyone that was telling Baker Mayfield or Mayfield to retire, and he's led the Buccaneers to a 2-0 start. I mean, you just love to see it. Let's just Let's just kind of go through some of those things here. Hold on a second. When you look at the Buccaneers, who they've played, you're like, okay, it's not really that impressive. They played the Bears and the Vikings, who are both 0-2 now. So now looking back, you're like, but everyone's like, Justin Fields for MVP. People were like, Kirk Cousins going to take that final step and get the Vikings over the hump. No, none of those things are happening yet. So 2-0, a win, wins are wins. He's not losing them games, and he has the weapons to win him games, like Mike Evans putting up six catches and over 170 yards and a touchdown. Like The Buccaneers had Tom Brady, and they won a Super Bowl. Now they have Baker Mayfield, and they're 2-0. Like we got to remember, wins is not a QB stat. It's a it's an overall stat there. So, but it's, so love for the Buccaneers to be 2-0 because I love the chaos that it creates in the media world because everyone's like tanking for Caleb Williams, etc. So and then the Commanders, we all didn't know what they had. We didn't know who Sam Howell was, what they were going to do, but we knew they had a good defense and they had good weapons on the offensive side and a really good coaching hire with Vianney coming in, and it's all working. It's 2-0 and to start. I know they barely beat the Broncos, but <laughs> they really had that game in hand once they came all the way back and just kind of let it slip to get closer, but that's not really how I would tell the story of that game in the second half. So... Those are my two and O teams. That's my ranking. Please let me know what you think about that because I know things are going to change. What I did notice though is every two and O team is not playing in the next week another two and O team. So there's a lot of chances for these teams to remain undefeated and us still having nine undefeated teams next week. So excited to see there. And I could have been wrong about that stat, so don't quote me on that. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> All right. Now we got to go up to the 0-2 teams. This is the panic alert or the not panic alert for the teams that knew they were going to be bad but are just, you know, it's a new season. You never know. But here are the 0-2 teams. I don't really have them ranked. I just have them. They're just 0-2. It's hard to, you know, rank them because they've been so bad. So there's not really, like, any bright spots, I'd say. And I think you would all agree on this once I state the list here. So for anyone not keeping up, the 0-2 teams to start the year, are the Vikings, the Bears, the Cardinals, Patriots, Bengals, Texans, Chargers, Broncos, and Panthers. So a lot of teams. Now, when we talk about who should be worried, these are the teams that have systems in place to win. And so that they're not winning, that's a concern. 
And those teams are the Bengals, Chargers, and Vikings. Now, people might want to put, like, the Panthers on it because they were apparently one quarterback away from making it work. But we can go into Bryce Young in a minute here. But when we look at these three teams, it's kind of a make or break. So all three of these teams are going to have to make some decisions in the offseason if this doesn't go the right way and this isn't going the right way. And not to scare any fans out there, but there is a stat floating around that people like to conveniently forget that since 2007, a total of 125 teams have started 0-2. Guess how many of those teams qualified for the playoffs? I'm liking the guesses. I just know a lot of you are saying some higher numbers than it should be. Only 12. 12 teams. You might be saying, oh, that's that's pretty good. Out of 125, that's less than 10%. That's a 9.6% chance of making the postseason. So would you like a 9.6 chance to make the postseason, or would you like to tank for your favorite player in the NFL draft? And when I say tank, you know I hate tanking. I don't want you to actually tank, but it's time to start considering off-season moves you're going to need to make and draft capital and prospects that you need to look into more. Now with this scared list, they already have two quarterbacks that are really good, the Bengals with Joe Burrow and the Chargers with Justin Herbert. We know Joe Burrow is banged up. We've known this all offseason. He hasn't had time to practice, and now he's re-aggravated that calf. I don't know why the heck they're playing him. He didn't look good in the first game, and he certainly didn't look any better in the second game, and I think it's because he's thinking about his body. He's thinking about his calf. If that can't hold up, he doesn't want it to get worse. He also doesn't want to get killed out there, and so he's playing a mental game where he can't just let it fly. Then the Chargers, I mean, their defense gets talked about like it's – a hall of fame defense and all of these guys at one point were really good but they were never good together and so the defense is in my opinion is what's holding these teams back because if we look at the chargers first two weeks i mean they lost in a shootout to the dolphins and they lost in a shootout to the titans and might i remind you that the titans are a running team Derrick Henry carried the ball 25 times just like in the Eagles game like they leaned into the run and Tannehill kept them alive like the Titans are like I said in earlier podcasts the last team I'd want to play on a schedule even if they go 6 and 11 I just don't want to see them they're always a team that's going to give somebody trouble because they don't play the style of football that everyone plays in today's NFL which is pass heavy spread the field around they play power football and then play action you know Send it down the field, not the dink and dunks, nothing too crazy because they don't have the weapons to really spread the field out. So Chargers, Herbert's good. I'm not going to slam on Herbert. He is playing well, but 24 points is not going to cut it in the last game. I think it was 30-something points to try to beat the Tua and the Dolphins. So I'd be worried if that was them. What they need to do is address the defense, and it's just kind of silly because Brandon Staley, you were a defensive head coach, not a head coach, a coordinator, I thought. So I thought you were going to have the defense buttoned up. Again, I know it's a team effort on the coaching staff, and maybe not just you calling plays, but we need to figure that out or make some moves with some of these older pieces. And then the Vikings, I mean, you guys had a negative uh, point differential last year, so this should be of no surprise to anyone that they're kind of taking this step back. But when they're they're stepping back in such a weird way that they're in all these games, they barely lost to the Buccaneers, and they barely lost to the Eagles. Kirk Cousins isn't terrible, but their offensive line is garbage, and their run game is garbage. Shout out Cam Akers, though. Welcome to the team. Hopefully you can do something, but I'm never hyped about a traded running back because, like, are, are we really putting the percentage on that this running back's about to just turn it around and be better somewhere when he couldn't succeed in maybe one of the most proficient offenses over the past five years in the Rams with Sean McVay? I think there's something wrong there, but it doesn't hurt to have running back by committee with him and Mattinson in the backfield. So those are the teams that should be worried about that 9.6% of making the playoffs uh, there. But the teams that should not be worried is everybody else on the list because you guys were delusional this offseason. You let the media get to you, and that's okay because as a fan of football, I'm a Seahawks fan. I've been delusional at times as well, and I might be delusional this year when I talk about the Seahawks because we could just as well be 0-2 like the rest of you, but we're not. That's the difference. Also, a lot of other differences. So let's start with the Bears. I mean, Justin Fields is calling out coaching staff, the offensive line. He doesn't look like he's enjoying football. I mean, the Ohio State quarterback curse remains. 
I think it's time that, you know, they either lean into his ability to run or continue what they're doing. And I don't think they should continue what they're doing because they're almost telling him not to run the football and instead just work on your passing. But I'm sorry, just adding DJ Moore to your team is not going to just unlock something big. And we saw this. We saw one good play in the preseason on a bubble screen. Like, come on. We all freaked out about that. So, Bears fans, I'm sorry, but you lost to Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, who was supposed to be garbage because we don't have any film on him. But look what uh, opinions have changed there. And then second of all, you just your team is just schematically not running anything proficient there. So, Bears, it's it might be tank for a quarterback. It also might be tank for one of the best offensive weapons like a Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, in the draft there. Cardinals, story remains the same. You're playing hard. I'll give you that. You're playing hard. I don't want to play you, and we're going to play you twice. You're going to give the Seahawks some issues, but you're not – like it's not going to be too special. You gave up a huge comeback – to the Giants, and I'm not trying to give the Giants any credit there because that shouldn't have even been the scenario they were in, but we know the story there. This is almost on purpose. Then we go to the Patriots, which are kind of an interesting story. I mean, they're not trying to tank. We know Bill Belichick is not trying to tank, and I'm not looking at their 0-2 record being disappointed by it. I know people are like, this first time since 2001. Yeah, sure, but there's so many other factors at play there that it's insane that it's only been that it's been so long since they've been 0-2. Like, just think about how great it must have been as a Patriots fan to never see 0-2 since 2-1. Like, that's more insane than this being their first time going 0-2 in so long. So, Mac Jones is looking decent. They don't have weapons for him to throw to because they got rid of Jacoby Myers because they didn't want to pay him. Classic Bill Belichick move. But then they brought in some old guys, Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster, whose knee is supposedly about to pop. I don't know why I read that in an injury report, but it's kind of looking like his knee's not working because he's not moving with the same speed that he had last year on the Chiefs. So keep an eye on that there. And then Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he's just that that fun. It's almost like a high school reunion. Like, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy's awesome. He was so much fun, and he's not bad. He's just not going to change the outcome of a game like a Josh Jacobs or a Derrick Henry at the running back position. So the Patriots, I'm not worried about. They're kind of in the Titans bracket where I wouldn't want to play them because they put up two good fights against probably the two best teams in the NFL in the Eagles and the Dolphins. That's just brutal scheduling. So let's not write them off. Let's put them in as a bubble AFC uh, playoff team. But at the same time, the AFC's packed, so it's going to be a weird... They could get in with a weird 7-10 and 10 record or something as crazy as that. And last but not least, well, I say that, there's actually two teams left. The Texans and the Broncos and the Panthers. So the Texans, real quick, I mean, we shouldn't be expecting much. The Texans don't have a really good... They're they're just developing as a franchise. We shouldn't expect much. Stroud's slinging it around, which he's trying his best. He's not making dumb errors. It's just going to be hard, you know? There's just bad teams in the NFL, and there are better teams. So I'm okay with the 0-2 start. I know everyone there is not, but this is not just the you got C.J. Stroud, things are going to turn around. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence. That didn't happen right away. It doesn't happen right away unless you get drafted way later you know you don't draft a QB in the top five and expect that to just turn around everything the QBs that have success are the ones that usually get drafted later on uh, in the draft there so that's the Texans Broncos like I said last week after week one it's just time to blow it up blow it up when what now I'm thinking back to when Russ said Bronco Nation let's ride you know we were all making fun of it because we were like He's being super optimistic, but maybe he was quite literally telling us the future. He's like, this is going to be a ride, so like, let's ride. I don't know if that made sense, but that's not what he was like in Seattle. He was just straight to the point, same mission, same team, exactly. But now it's like, this is quite literally a wild ride. And Sean Payne did nobody on his team a service by saying how bad of a coaching job it was last year to then go 0-2 to some pretty mediocre teams in the Raiders and the Commanders in the overall scheme of things. Mediocre is not the right word, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So blow it up, tank for a new quarterback, and maybe try to get out of the Russell Wilson business. As painful as that is to say, 
I think Denver is not where Russell should be. And maybe Russell needs to take a little bit of time to find himself again, you know? So that's the Broncos there. And then the Panthers, I mean, a lot of teams were like, this, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be great. They're going to win their division. I didn't even put them second. I put them third in the NFC South because I think Bryce Young is great, but he seems a little off. He just seems like a little too lackadaisical. He seems a little too trust the process. It's going to work. He, does, he doesn't have a sense of urgency when I see him play. And that's cool if you're cool, calm, and collected. But I think in his position, I want to see him fired up. I want to see him get animated. I want to see him really look like he cares about what's going on. And I'm not trying to say he doesn't care, but you know that feeling when you get, when you watch a player and you're like, I can see the fire in his eyes. I don't really see that with Bryce. And that's how it's shown. I mean, they've lost their first two games in kind of poor fashion to not as great teams. So something to keep an eye on with the Panthers there. And that kind of wraps up the 0-2 teams about who should be worried and who shouldn't be worried. Let me know what you think. I know there's going to be a lot of different opinions, but Based on the, th- the threads this week, I think I nailed it. I think there's not been a lot of people disagreeing with my thoughts there. So I hope when I elaborated them a little bit more that it makes more sense where I'm coming from. But now it's time to get into the most opinionated, biggest swings, etc. in the one-on-one teams because we really don't know anything because these teams have shown us two things so far, that they know how to lose and be terrible and that they know how to win and play awesome. Now... So now we have to decide who are the contenders and who are the pretenders. So this list is really hard to do, but let's start with the contenders. So in the contender, and no specific uh, order on these. So we have on the contenders, the Bills, the Jaguars, Chiefs, Lions, Packers, and Seahawks. That's it. There's more pretenders than contenders when it comes to one and one and that's because the playoffs can only hold so many spots. We saw how many 2-0 teams there are, so it's going to be a dogfight to the end. So let's go over it. Bills and Jaguars, same kind of bracket. They've shown us two of the same things, that they can play erratic, not very good, and allergic to scoring, like in the Bills' first week against the Jets and in the Jaguars' second weeks against the, the Chiefs. But what we did learn is that when their offense is firing, it's firing because in the flip-flop of those, the Bills – lit it up people were like josh allen for mvp after talking about how he shouldn't even be a top five quarterback after the first week's performance and trevor lawrence the same thing in the first week where they put on a show against the colts and took care of business and showed us that they're putting the afc kind of on notice so i put those two in the same kind of tier in terms of consistency is the name of the game if they can just find that they'll be they'll be fine and be playoff bound at the bare minimum, and then could also still be AFC contenders at the end. Then we look at the Chiefs, who I don't even know how to feel about the Chiefs this year. It's just weird. I just want them to be 2-0 and so that we don't have to make weird statements about the Chiefs right now, but that's where we are. So with the Chiefs, lose to the Lions on the first game of the season. Can we chalk that up to a couple things? No Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey. Wide receivers were allergic to catching the ball from Patrick Mahomes. And the Lions just kind of won that game by being just consistent. So we can take that away in the first week. But in the second week, they took care of business against the Jaguars. Good defense and good offense. So we're starting to look a little bit more like the Chiefs. And Chris Jones is back making an impact. Thank you for paying him. And even if it's a weird contract. And then Travis Kelsey, glad the, the leg's feeling better. So he's back in such a difference maker because it just gives momentum to their offense. Because you'll notice their drives. Every drive, he gives a target to Travis Kelsey, essentially as a kickstarter. It encourages the other players to get involved. It encourages them to watch like a big brother catch something so that then the little brother can catch something too. It's kind of That's kind of how the Chiefs are right now with so much old and young talent that they have on the team there. And then that takes me into the other contender, the Lions. And I'm going to put the Lions and the Seahawks in the same bracket because they just played. And I think their game really describes how their seasons are going to go. So we look at the Lions versus the Seahawks game and we think the Seahawks got away with a lucky one at the end. I mean, 37 to 31, that's a, that's a shootout. Not a lot of defense being played especially after both these teams didn't put up a lot of points in the first game this season. 
The Lions came away with a surprising win against the Chiefs, and the Seahawks lost to the Rams, who are supposed to be bad, according to every metric. So, But what we'll see is a lot of injuries on both sides, both teams. Offense beat up for the Seahawks, and the defense beat up for the Lions. Kind of their strong suits, and that's just not what you want when you look at a team. And so... Overall, I think this is going to be how these teams kind of go. There's going to be weeks where we're like, we're fired up. We're like, I'm looking at least nine and eight in the face right now. And there's weeks where I'm going to be, okay, am I looking six and 11 in the face? I don't know. Cause they both have weaker divisions. And when I say weaker, there's just like one or two top teams. And then there's the bottom two instead of three top teams or four teams overall competing for it. Like the NFC South, for example. So I'm interested to see how the narratives change and go among, go along with this season. And again, health is going to matter so much. The, the Lions tried their best to na- navigate this offseason and did a really good job bringing in a lot of defensive talent just for a lot of them to be banged up, specifically C.J. G- Gardner-Johnson, who tore his bicep. I mean, talk about gruesome. Oh, my gosh. Like going to the gym just thinking about my bicep not working oh that's gross so hopefully he gets better prayers up for him (coughs) sorry about that cough there but then we talk about the Seahawks they have the firepower Geno's still not riding back when he wants to so they could win some big games against some good teams like the Lions so it's good to see that they lost to a bad team and won against a what's supposed to be a good team we might look back on that with revisionist history but that's what we like to see out of both of these teams. They've beaten good, and then they had a shootout with each other. And now we talk about the last contender, the Packers. And I've been saying this the whole time. I never agreed with people that were like, the Packers are going to tank. They're not going to be good. Justin uh, Love's not going to be good. Jordan Love's not going to be good. But here we are. We're talking one and one two good games, and they could have easily been 2-0. and But the Falcons are playing out of their mind. So... I chalk it up to they are a 2-0 team. They're proving their worth in the, their division. Jordan Love's got it nailed down with Lafleur. can't say his name. You know what I mean. Matt, my guy Matt. So what we need to see now from this team is just consistency across the board week to week because losses can really affect teams in their kind of position where they can get really high on losses and really low on on really high on wins and really low on losses so I want to see how Jordan Love kind of bounces back after having a great first week against division rival Bears and then losing to the Falcons I mean he looked positive on the sideline he looked really into the game you know chirping at the at the uh the defensive line on the Falcons so I'm excited to see what the Packers have. So I'm putting them as a contender because of their weaker division and because the NFC is weaker as a whole. All right, let's talk pretenders here. Now, this list includes the Rams, Giants, Jets, Steelers, Browns, Colts, Titans, Raiders. Now, gosh, it's so hard to you know talk about these teams because you could say one thing one week and then the next week they might prove you wrong. So I'm just going to try to make overall, as you can tell from this whole podcast so far, just trying to build out the narrative of how I see the season going generally, not trying to make too many sweeping decisions right now. So we look at the Rams. They're one and one. What do they play with? They play with heart and a great scheme. They don't have a single offensive player other than Matthew Stafford that I knew of Till this year. So, and I know that's obviously I'm being dramatic, but that's like their O-line and their wide receivers. Puka is putting on a show. That man, I want him on my fantasy team. That man is like the new Cooper Cup, essentially, because the Cooper Cup came out of nowhere. So, I don't want to play the Rams. We have to play them again as Seahawks fans. And I don't think anybody else wants to play them. They put up a good fight against the best defense in the league and the 49ers and kind of got them on their heels for a second. So, that's going to be their season. I think they're going to remind us a lot about the Titans, you know, and a lot about the Vikings, essentially, from last year, where they could win some shootouts and win some games, and we kind of could be talking about them as a third team in the NFC West that could be coming out to the playoffs. But in all honesty, in their best interest, it might be better to just ride the wave. I don't know how their draft pick situation's going, but they can obviously trade away players like they just did with Cam Akers to pick up some more draft capital and really get out of that cap hell that they're kind of in because of their Super Bowl push a couple of years ago. 
Then we got the Giants and the Jets. Let's just talk New York right now as a whole or New Jersey for the Jets, <laughs> however you want to describe their fan base or where they're from. But the Giants, I mean, we knew last year was kind of a fluke, right? But then this year, they're like, we're still here. We're one and one. We beat the Cardinals after having to come back. But then we got dismantled by the good team and the Cowboys. So I just, I, we don't have enough tape. My my tape is let's just go 500. Let's go 8-9 or 9-8. and eight. That's kind of my outlook for the Giants. And it's kind of my outlook for the Jets. Because what the Jets have that the Giants don't have is a great defense. And if Zach Wilson can just put anything together throughout the season, I'm talking momentum. That's all he needs. They could be 7-10, and 8-9, etc. That's the problem, though. In the AFC, that's not going to cut it. In the NFC, that could cut it this year. So that's how I feel about those two pretenders because if either of them makes any noise and makes it to the playoffs, they're not going to actually make noise in the playoffs. All righty. Steelers and Browns. I mean, they just played each other. Were you enjoying that game? I wasn't. No, it was sloppy. Both sides of the ball, offense, defense, injuries across the board. I mean, Nick Chubb, prayers to him, man. That's the last person you want to see get injured the way he does because he just plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's just an animal out there. He's so fun to watch, and now he's gone. And as weird as it sounds, I really think that's going to deter the Brown season, like dramatically. I know they just picked up Cream Hunt, got him back, and they have some guys in Ford in the back in the in the backup spot there. But gosh, he just really was a difference maker, like Derrick Henry was for the Browns. So I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson. I think everybody's asking for a refund. That's a Browns fan there, and the same with the Steelers. I mean, people, I feel bad because a lot of people propped you guys up like, oh, they're the steel wall. That's that's how they are. They're gonna win with defense, and Kenny Pickett's gonna take that next step. But ah. Uh, in the words of George Pickens on the sideline in a video, this just ain't it. It's just ain't it. It's not. I don't love it. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like that it's an AFC team because that just lowers your chances because there's so many teams that could be decent and in your bracket and it could fall one to two games. So I'm just not sold on these two teams. They're pretenders in my eyes unless they really turn it around. They have some pieces that are electric, but those pieces cannot take you that far or they're hurt, unfortunately, there. Then we get to kind of this like newer age teams. Like it's kind of a new era for both of these teams. As weird as one of these town teams is going to sound, but we got the Colts, the Titans, and the Raiders. Now the weird team you might be saying is the Titans. That's not a new era for them. It kind of is though. They've kind of went on that weird AFC championship run and then they've been coming down off of it and now they're kind of at their bottom. So they're trying to peek out and see what they can do. And that's what they did. I mean, they beat the Chargers. So... That's what I'm saying. They're not, you can't just write off the Titans, but I am calling them a pretender as in I don't see them making the playoffs. Or if they do, they're a wild card fringe team. But that's how I see them overall in terms of it's their new era, like it is a new era for the Colts and the Raiders as well. Obviously, the Colts, Anthony Richardson's looking electric, but man, he's kind of got that Josh Allen in him where he just loves contact and he loves to run into dudes that are his same size like he thinks he's running into a 5'11 college dude. So I just, uh, he needs to not get a concussion and get hurt because Minshew is great, but he's not going to carry you the way Richardson can with his legs and then also refining his passing as the year goes on there. So that's what I'm feeling about the Colts pretenders, but fun to watch there. And then last but not least, the Raiders. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what to say there. They're just, their Jimmy G is doing all right. Devontae Adams is there. Josh Jacobs is there. Hunter Renfro is there, I'm pretty sure, but he refuses to show out for fantasy. And so, I don't know. They're pretenders because we all know they're not making a splash in their own division, let alone the conference. But they're one and one, and they could give some teams some some trouble, especially early on, because when we're this early in the season, every team thinks they still have a chance. Now, let me know what you think on that pretenders list. Obviously, contenders and pretenders are hard to determine right now, but I think when we look back, we're going to feel the same way we do now about a lot of these teams generally as we do uh, as the season continues on. All right, I'm going to take a quick little break, and then we'll come back with a little last-minute topics here, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here. So, BRB. 
Okay, let's wrap this episode up, huh? But I want to try a new segment here, see how we're doing here, because I know I'm still trying to make my name in this sports world. So you know what I got to do is I got to put my my opinions out there and see if they they stand true. And so what I'm going to do is predict how I think each of the the games are going to go this week. So we're just going to go game by game. I'm going to pick the winner, give a little thoughts on it. Then we'll, we'll report back next week and we'll report on threads on how I did on these predictions. I know a lot of you are going to make fun of me. And if you have been listening up to this point, like I said, don't quote me on no two and no teams playing each other because I was wrong. Like I said, the Eagles and the Buccaneers are playing on Monday night. So that's going to be the most electric matchup of week two in terms of kicking one undefeated team out potentially there. So Let's run through it really quick, and I'm going to give my my quick thoughts out there. This is all for, you know, any of the gamblers out there, you know, you degenerates, you need to know who's going to win. I'm here to tell you. So you can go put money in the right place. Not financial advice, though, so don't even, don't even put that on me if you lose. All right, here we go. Thursday night, tomorrow. You're probably listening to this episode right before the game, I hope. And if not, you should have because I'm going to give you the right answer, and that right answer is clear. The 49ers are going to beat the Giants. They're going to move to 3-0. The over-under is 44 points. The line, San Francisco, 10.5. That should tell you all you need to know. The 49ers are humming, and what have we seen from the Giants? They've only gotten dismantled, dismantled by good defenses and dismantled by bad defenses in the Arizona Cardinals. So imagine a Cowboys game round two. That's exactly what's going to happen in this game. 49ers are going to take care of business. That line's looking big for an NFL game. 10.5? Dang. That's big. I might bet the over on that in terms of total points uh, because the the 49ers might just put up a ton of points. All righty, next game up, Seahawks-Panthers. Now, I hope you know I'm not going to be biased about the Seahawks, but I am going to this game. So shout out to anybody that I see at that game. And you know what I have to do. The easy answer is the Seahawks here. The Panthers have looked distracted, not good, not great across the board. Sanders is their only target on offense. The Seahawks defense is not good, but what they do have is good cornerbacks. And what they should try to do is do less man, less zone and more man, and hopefully we see that more in this game so that they lock up the bad weapons that they have on the Panthers' side and make them run the ball a lot. I know our run defense isn't good either, so this could be more of a shootout. But I hope that you know the Seahawks take care of business and pull away by a touchdown or two by the end, just as I'll be there and enjoying it. So I'm going to take the, the Seahawks uh, minus six and a half to win this game, or just minus six to win this game, to move the two and one and the Panthers to 0-3 and, and time to hit the alarm or start calling Bryce Young a bust. We're going to see that if that happens. We're going to see that. Okay, next up, Titans versus the Browns. Now, the line is only three and a half favoring the Browns over under 39 and a half points here. With with Nick Chubb's injury, I have to say the Titans because the Titans are coming off of a big win, showing a lot of offense, and the the Browns have shown that they can't score a ton of points. They've won two. They've won a sloppy game and lost the sloppy game with not a lot of good offense. So I'm going to take the Titans on this one. I'm not betting the points on this at all because 39 and a half feels high for a game like this. I'm expecting Derrick Henry to maybe run the ball 40 times in this game and tie his first two games carry total in this game and just win straight out. Mari Cooper is going to be the main target for Deshaun Watson in this game. And we're going to have to see, is somebody else going to come alive and help them out? Or is Deshaun Watson going to remember how to, you know, throw balls accurately? That was a weird statement, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so Titans in this one moved to two and one Browns to one and two Falcons versus lions. Now this one's going to be fun because both of these teams are like posturing to be good in the NFC specifically. And the line is Detroit is favored, you know, minus three and a half, minus three at home. Over under is 46 points total. I think this is going to be the the battle of the better offensive weapon. So are the Falcons, it's whoever has better stats. Is Bijan Robinson going to have better stats or is Amari St. Brown going to have better stats? I know Brown's kind of struggling with a little bit of an injury. So if that plays a factor, I'm going to put it into Robinson and the Falcons' favor. I know it's silly to just put a game on one, you know, player. But when we look at the quarterbacks, they're about the same. They're both game managers. So it's going to be up to the offense's weapons to make plays. And the Falcons just have more weapons. And their defense looked pretty good last week against the Packers. So I'm taking the Falcons to move to 3-0. Shock the world. People are going to change their opinions on them. And the line's unfortunately dropping to 1-2. and two. 
even at home, after just losing at home to the Seahawks as well, the fans are not going to be happy at Ford Field. All right, up next, Saints versus Packers. I'm taking the Packers because I want the Saints to lose. I need them to be exposed. I don't think their first two wins have been good. And so, and they haven't been against good teams. They've been against the Panthers and the Browns, respectively, both 0 3 teams in my book. If things went a little bit different with the Bengals and the Browns in week one. So, I'm taking the Packers, not just for that reason. The Packers are just looking like a really steady team that's going to cause a lot of teams issues. And I think Jordan Love's going to bounce back at home uh, for with the Lambeau leap and join the, I hope Aaron Jones is back. Uh, AJ Dillon's got to remember how to run and that he's bigger than everyone. And then I hope that the receivers just continue to produce and catch the ball for Jordan Love and make it easier on him. So taking the Packers to go two and one and the Saints to join them now being two and one, even though the line is only two points. Okay, Broncos, Dolphins. Let's blow it up. Let's blow it up, Broncos country. Let it. Let's let's ride. Let's ride to zero three. Let's start questioning Sean Payton as a coach. Let's start bringing back up all of his bad times as a coach, like Bounty Gate at the Saints, and all of his tough losses that he's had as a uh, without Drew Brees. We got to remember Drew Brees was a big factor to all of Sean Payton's success. And then also the Dolphins, Tua. I love it. I, I love the MVP Tua talks. I love Tyreek Hill. love Jalen Waddell. I know he's a little bit banged up. And Raheem, Raheem Mosert. I mean, gosh, I'm so glad he's on my fantasy team. That man can run. They're having a battle for who's the fastest on the team, and they're all running under four twos. Like, Lord, they're so fast. So if they keep up the same scheme, I just don't think there's any talent on the Broncos' side, both sides of the ball, for them to kind of win in a shootout against them. The over-under is 48 and a half, and that has to be predicated on the fact that this is a home game for the Dolphins, and they're favored by six and a half points, so they're going to be carrying the load on that. I'm still taking the under on those points because I think the Dolphins' defense will be better and be able to hold them a little bit, but we will see. (coughs) Sorry for that cough. There, as you know, getting over a little bit of a bug here. So, up next, the battle of the un unwinning winless teams. Try to come up with a good saying there. Just came out as a stutter. All right, Chargers versus Vikings. The line is even. <laughs> the Vikings are at home, but the line is even, and the over under is fifty four points. You're telling me each team is gonna put up over almost thirty points? That kind of sounds right, though. Both defenses, awful. That's what I said in this whole podcast leading up to this. They they have names on defense that used to be names. Now they're just players or they're older. So I don't even know which way to go on this. I have to go Chargers because the Vikings just, if it's just going to come down to a QB battle at this point. And I think Justin Herbert is better than Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to take the Chargers beating the Vikings to win their first game of the year start talking about Super Bowls, etc. I'm not going to take uh, the over-under of 54 points. I'm going to go under on that because somebody has to remember how to play defense in this game, but watch me be wrong on that. Okay, some more games here. Patriots versus Jets. The battle of the mid is what I'm going to call this. Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones. The draft class <laughs> QBs that nobody was really sold on but we all took them too high. All right, I'm going to take the Patriots on this to get their first win. I think they put it together. I just think the the line is favoring them. It is at home for them. Over-under is 37, so they're expecting a great defensive game, and I think it's just going to come down to that. Zach Wilson doesn't really have it figured out on offense yet, and Mac Jones does, and I think why they don't seem like they have it figured out is because of the play calling that's going on. And so if they just have a better schematic plan, they're going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain on offense and win like a 20 to 17 kind of game here. So I'm going to take the Patriots one and two and the Jets, unfortunately falling to one and two and the bad times keep rolling after a tough loss to the Cowboys. Really discouraging uh, overall for that team. Okay, Bills versus Commanders. This could have been a 2-0 matchup if the Bills, if Josh Allen wasn't playing like he wasn't the MVP in week one. So we have to think this is at home for the commanders. They're 2-0. and They got the momentum. They got the fans. They got the new owner. It's great. Dare I say they win this game? 
Is this kind of an upset? The Buffalo has a minus six and a half line. I don't know. When Josh Allen faced a defense uh, with any amount of consistency, which was the um, Jets in week one, he struggled. And I just think the commanders got this aura about them. So this is going to kind of, I got to add some like sound effects to this podcast, but this was going to be like my underdog money line, like not a money line bet, but just I'm going to take the commanders. I'm going to take the commanders this part of the season. The bills are too inconsistent for me. I know they're coming off of win, but so are the commanders. So I'm doing commanders now, three and L bills, one and two question marks on the bills end after that game. Okay, we got some divisional matchup here. Texans versus the Jaguars. I think this one's simple. Jaguars take care of business against the Texans. Texans don't have a lot to write home about. They're trying to figure it out. 0-3 doesn't look that bad on their team's resume, but 1-2 and would look bad on the Jaguars' resume. I think they're going to come out at home firing. They're minus 9.5 and 44 total points over under. So I'm going to take the Jags on this one to move 2-1. and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to keep taking that step, and Calvin Ridley is looking solid. So if their defense can just pose any sort of threat, they win that game. Okay, Colts-Ravens. Battle of the fun quarterbacks. But is uh, Anthony Richardson playing? (sighs) I don't think he is. I think he's got that concussion protocol. But you never know. People come out of that quicker than they should, as we saw last season. So I'm going to take the Ravens to move to 3-0. Ravens are just an underdog team this year, not getting a lot of respect. But they could turn some heads and have 11-12 wins this year and be looking like a real contender to actually take that step that they've wanted to do with this new offense uh, that Lamar Jackson's running with the new OC there. So I'm taking them. They're seven and a half favorites. I think this could be a close game, closer than you'd expect. It's going to be a nice day there in Baltimore, which will help. But um, yeah, I think it might be closer than seven and a half. So be careful. I'm a little bit worried about that pick because the Colts are just fun. But if Minshew's behind the on the snap, I'm going to give it to the Ravens 3-0. and Colts, Colts moving to 1-2. and Bears and Chiefs, kind of just like the Broncos speech. Bears, time to blow it up. Chiefs defense is looking top five, top ten in the in the NFL right now. And they just have the better offense. They have the quarterback that can throw, and he's worth $100 billion. So easy pick here. I'm not taking the Chiefs money line, though, of 12.5 point favorites on that line. So no way. Sorry, my voice is kind of breaking down here as we get to the end of this. But Chiefs are going to move to 2-1, and one, Bears to 0-3. Justin Fields is going to continue to call out coaching or something like that. And DJ Moore is going to request a trade, uh, which he should. Cowboys-Cardinals, NFC. I think the Cardinals are going to put up a fight just like they have in both of the first two games. I think the Cowboys still win, though. Their defense is unprecedented, and Dak's kind of figuring it out. Tony Pollard's there. CeeDee Lamb is there. They're looking decent. So I got Cowboys going 3-0, Cardinals going 0-3. Three games left. We got the Steelers versus the Raiders. This is another battle of the mid. I don't even know which way to go here, but Vegas is telling us that Vegas is going to win this game. Two-and-a-half-point favorites on this game. I'm not really against that. I mean, I think the Raiders are the better team at this point in time because Jimmy G knows how to possess the ball a little bit better than Kenny Pickett does. Kenny Pickett's got an interception problem. It's probably because he wears two gloves. Najee Harris doesn't know how to run the ball properly, so they keep having to split carries between him and Warren, and Pickens is just trying to get the ball, but nobody's getting it to him. I'm giving the Raiders 2-1 and one after that cough. Uh, at home and the Steelers move to one and two and everybody steps back on their their picks that the Steelers were going to be dangerous this year and then we got another double header for Monday night which I don't like because I want to watch both games at their own time and not have to split time or have double TV action going on so the battle of the two best teams the two two and O's the Eagles and the Buccaneers gosh if there was ever a time the Buccaneers would beat someone like the Eagles it would be now as the Eagles are trying to figure it out, they had a scare in week one against the Patriots, and they had a late scare against the Vikings, both teams that are 0-2. So we're looking at a 2-0 Bucks team that if Baker can just not make mistakes against a good defense and their defense can stop the run, which the Eagles have favored, this could be closer than people think, and the line shows that. It's only five points for the Eagles. So I'm not saying the Eagles are going to lose, 
because I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to say Baker Mayfield is going to beat the Eagles, but it's kind of like that. Uh, that Washington beating the Bills, where you're just like, upsets are going to happen. But I'm not going to take it here. Sorry about my voice freaking out. I'm not going to take it here. Taking the Eagles three and zero, it's going to be close or not close at all. There's no in between. And so the Buccaneers are going to move to two and one. The hype is going to wear a little bit, but we're still going to be high on them because of their division. And then the Eagles are going to move to 3-0. and Okay, then we move to the last game. Monday night, Bengals versus Rams. Joe Burrow's out. I got to lean the Rams. The Rams, again, have played with heart like we've discussed. And I think they're going to continue to play with heart against a defense that really hasn't proven itself on the Bengals' side. And their offense is not going to work the same without Joe Burrow throwing the ball. So... I'm giving it to Matthew Stafford and Puka and Atwater and anybody else that wants to show up on the Rams sideline there. That's going to just play great in their defense. Aaron Donald is just going to cause havoc on that O-line for anybody that's new throwing the ball on that side. So Rams are going to move to 2-1, and one, Bengals to 0-3, and, and it's time to hit, start hitting that panic button, Bengals fans. And boom. Those are my predictions. I will lay this out in a thread, so make sure to follow my threads to be able to see who I picked this week to win the games. We're going to see if I can go undefeated on picks or at least above 500. I've never done this before. I've never even done this with myself, so I'm excited to see how that goes. And I hope that kind of gives you some more insight on why I said the things I did after week two and then how they then lead into week three here as I just can't believe football's already back. We have another week. It's just back to back to back. I love it. So what we might need to do is another podcast here on college football coming up, but I know you all love the NFL content, so I'm going to keep that going. Again, appreciate all of you guys that are still listening right now. Shout out to you guys. You guys are the real ones here. Please share this with your friends. Like, comment, subscribe, whatever you can do on the podcast platforms. Again, this is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also Podbean for anybody that listens to that. That's the host of this podcast here. So let's get over 300 downloads. Let's do it. Not just for this episode, but for the whole account as a whole. I'm not naive like that. But I don't, as you can tell, don't have an outro yet. I need some cool, I need like voiceover something to end these things. But we're rolling up on an hour here. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy Thursday night football. Enjoy Sunday night football. And shout out. I wish you luck, soldiers, on your fantasy football teams this week because we all know we need it. We all know we need it. So have a great week. Cheers, everyone.